This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, almost every day... We read about artificial intelligence, AI, and how it is being developed, who is developing it, and what it will be able to do. There is also, of course, a fear we all live with now that cybercrime will affect us, that nothing we do on a computer will be secure, or indeed that nothing major banks and businesses will do will be effective either because this is an entirely new phenomenon and it's a pleasure to welcome Chris Johns, Chris former chief economist at Bank of Ireland, now a very respected commentator. He's in London, he knows about this stuff and he also knows about the dangers to simple things like our bank accounts and other confidential material that's at play. But there's something much bigger at play. Chris is in London, joins us now. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. This idea of artificial intelligence really being the most profound thing in our lives is not just geeks that are looking at this. Elon Musk, among others, has bought a company, is getting involved in it. How dangerous is this, Chris, this idea that you know, it's from sort of almost science fiction that machines or computers can be the dominant force in our lives. I showed ChatGPT, which is just one of these AI systems, to my 20-year-old son a few weeks ago. And he's a student at university here in the UK. And we set it an essay topic in the subject that he's studying. And he hadn't seen this thing before. And the look of total amazement on his face and the exclamations yes. of surprise was revealing. And within a few days, he was back to me saying that all of a sudden, all of his mates were on it. And <laughs> that, that some of them, not yes. him, of course, were using it to write essays for their coursework. And the universities have subsequently responded with all sorts of different uh, steps to try and prevent what essentially is plagiarism. And the universities are just one of many actors on the stage who are very worried about what it might mean. Some of us think that it's going to be huge in a beneficial way. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But there are as many 
opportunities as there yes. are threats with these systems. There are loads of them. Artificial intelligence has been around for a long time. It's promised a lot and delivered very little, actually, over recent decades. I can remember looking at things, uh, primitive artificial intelligence systems, decades ago and um, realizing that they weren't going to amount to very much in terms of everyday use. But last autumn in November, the world changed. And that was with the release uh, by a company called OpenAI, which was originally founded by, amongst others, Elon Musk. He was involved with OpenAI from the start, but then left it to pursue other things like electric cars. And as you say, he's now getting back in with his own venture. But OpenAI released something called ChatGPT3. Actually, to be precise, it was ChatGPT3.5, which suggests it was an evolution based on previous versions of its system. And this is something called a chatbot, which produces human-like writing abilities uh, to, to answer questions. I can remember what it was like many years ago, uh, being the age that I am, when Google first came along and realizing just how much Google was just was about to change the world and really help people like me do our work. And I think, you know, everybody has integrated Google into their lives in various ways. We can cheat at pub quizzes. We can look up porn. That's the downside of Google. Um, or you can become a Google black belt and really help you as an analyst, as a researcher, um, to, to become much more efficient, much more productive. Um, I personally think that on the upside for these chatbot type systems, as I say, ChatGBT is just one. Google has one. It's called Bard. Um, there's something from a company called Anthropic. Uh, many different companies. There's a gold rush on. In terms of money flowing into these systems from venture capitalists and other investors, it is a gold rush. And people are rapidly throwing billions at these systems because they believe, probably quite rightly, there's an awful lot of money to be made. These particular versions of AI, which are essentially based on um, their so-called foundational models, and they are essentially large language models. There's lots of jargon, lots of, lots of acronyms. We could talk about them all day. Um, and they raise fundamental questions, not least, what is intelligence? And if you go and ask the, ask these chatbots or do it the old-fashioned way using Google, what is intelligence, you quickly realize that we're not entirely sure. And there are deep, deep thinkers, much smarter people than me, that have looked at this. Um, there's a, no, a, a prize-winning physicist called Roger Penrose who thinks that there will never, ever be such a thing as artificial intelligence because of the nature, the quantum nature of the human mind. And that gets all very philosophical and very scientific in ways that I don't really understand. More easily understood is the position of um, well-known linguists like uh, Chomsky. You may know that name. He's another one that thinks that the, the, the this, this is a bit of a nothing burger, that they, they, we will never be able to replicate human intelligence, let alone uh, surpass it, which is where the fears come in, that these things ultimately will become smarter than us in some way. As I say, we're not quite sure what smart or what intelligence means for us, so I'm not quite sure what people mean about these things becoming more intelligent than us, but it's the powers that these, that these, these, these tools will give uh, other people, and whether those people are good actors or bad actors, and whether these things will give powers to themselves yes. is, is, is one of the questions. Yes, and there's a piece in the Financial Times at the weekend 
written by an expert in the field who says those of us who are concerned, and this man is concerned, see two paths to disaster. One is a path in which artificial intelligence in the wrong hands harms specific groups of people and is already doing so. The other could rapidly affect all life on Earth. And last year, the Reith lecture, Lord Reith was the founder of the BBC. Every once a year, there is a set piece by a very distinguished scientist. And in 2021, the Reith lecture was given by Stuart Russell, a professor of computer science at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, in the 2021 Reith lecture, he gave an example of the UN asking artificial intelligence to help deacidify the oceans. The UN would know the risk of poorly specified objectives, so it would require byproducts to be non-toxic and not harm fish. In response, the AI system comes up with a self-multiplying catalyst that achieves all the stated aims. But the ensuing chemical reaction uses a quarter of all the oxygen in the atmosphere. And Russell concludes, we all die slowly and painfully. If we put the wrong objective into a superintelligent machine, we create a conflict that we are bound to lose. Now, the recent lecture is prestigious, Stuart Russell, obviously a professor of computer science at Berkeley in California, he's not a fool either. So what dangers do you see? Others have come up with far less sophisticated ways of seeing off the human race. If, for example, you asked it to make sure that nobody ever gets COVID again, let's choose a contemporaneous uh, example. Now, this is a silly example, but it illustrates the same point that you're making. One way a super powerful, all powerful AI system could make sure that nobody on the planet ever gets COVID again is to kill us all. Yes. Um, similarly, uh, make sh- you know, with, with all sorts of different, frankly, silly examples that nevertheless are, are, are very, very scary. So yeah, the, the, the scope for, for, for bad actors to take advantage of these systems is, is definitely there as potential. I don't think that anything like that could happen today because Although these things look very powerful, they're not actually connected to anything that could do something, for example, to the oceans or actually make sure that we all die so that we don't get COVID. That, those sorts of things are impossible today. So these are feats of the imagination rather than practical things that these these things can do. More sinisterly, I think that there are two things that, amongst many that worry about the immediate future. First of all, what are the military going to do with this? Yes, and obviously that that leads to all sorts of flights of fancy but but uh, malevolent regimes um armies in particular uh, defense ministries armed with these things uh, one could imagine all sorts of nasty things happening and it's not science fiction to imagine how ai and robots could interact on the battlefield indeed in ukraine um, AI is interacting with robots because AI is driving an awful lot of the drone technology. Drone technology has advanced in leaps and bounds, and that's a subfield of robotics, of course. So it's the combination of artificial intelligence and robots. And we, we've all seen the Terminator movies. That's moved from the realms of pure science fiction to the realms of scientific possibility. 
particularly when it comes to drones, but other machine-like um, actors on the battlefield. The second thing that is worrying a lot of people, particularly as uh, one of the things that's happened is, of course, as I've said, the, the chatbots, which are just purely text-based tools. You ask it questions uh, in, in the jargon. They're called prompts, and it spews out answers. But they, they've also been releasing since last autumn, in, in more recent weeks, uh, systems that can recognize and produce images. So uh, fake art is, or, or, yes. or AI-generated art is definitely one thing. Spotify, the music platform, is racing to try and control just how much AI-generated music is being produced and used and perhaps abused on its platform. And if you think about sound, vision, video being produced by these AI systems, that seems to many people to be an absolute gift to scam artists. Yes. And so that we all know that we, we get the texts on our phones, the emails on our machines about people inviting us to click on links. And a lot of them, thank goodness, are still pretty amateur. They're getting more sophisticated by the day, which is why so many people do get sucked into these things and lose a lot of money. But what this AI system potentially does do is that it give, gifts scam artists the ability to make themselves look very real indeed, very plausible indeed. And so the, the amounts of money that are scammed from our accounts um, has the potential to grow exponentially as a result of this. It's not happening yet. These are concerns. The, the upside of all of this goes back to how I was talking about Google. If you were a Google black belt, um, it enhanced your creativity. It enhanced your productivity. And there are plenty of economists who think that the world could now be on the verge of another productivity boom. That's a hope, at least, as a result of what we did with Google is now really uh, put on steroids, that, that people can use this sort of stuff in all sorts of different ways. And businesses are. There, are, there is a long list of businesses now who have already integrated these chatbots into their systems. Microsoft is, a, is an example that, that, that's at the leading edge of this. There was an article um, in the Irish Times this weekend um, with an interview with Fergal O'Rourke, um, a member of the Lenahan political dynasty in, in Ireland. He's the retiring senior partner of PwC Ireland. And as part of this piece, it talked about how he has integrated AI into some of the processes that PwC in Ireland are doing, and how it's enhanced the productivity and the creativity of his workforce. Now, of course, that raises the question of how many uh, jobs will be destroyed. Yes. Um, and uh, will there be any jobs created? And again, the, frankly, the answer is we don't know. The hope is that um, just as we many of the jobs today were unimagin unimaginable just a few years ago, that this will create new jobs, that it will unleash productivity of the existing workforce, and that we won't all simply be replaced. Uh, but there is a fear that we will be. And there, there, is a, there are estimates, there are only guesses, that up to 80% of jobs could be affected in some way by AI, and a huge proportion of that 80% potentially could be replaced. So this could be a big source of creativity, a big source of productivity growth, a big source of economic growth, but it could also destroy a lot of jobs. And nobody knows where the balance is going to lie. Some economists think it's going to be dreadful. Some economists think it's going to be great. It's, it's really 
at an early stage. But it's upending business, Eamon, and then this is important. So that has an impact on jobs, but it also has impact on lots of people um, listening to this. There, yes. there was an article in the New York Times over the weekend about Google racing to catch up now with Microsoft in its deployment of AI because Google has fallen behind. One particular example of this was when Google, just a couple of months ago, uh, uh, unveiled at a big press conference its version of AI. It's called BARD, as in, I suppose, the BARD. And uh, it was asked a question by a journalist at the uh, press conference, and it got the answer wrong. And Google's share price fell 10%, wiping (laughs) billions off off um, off the share price of Google. And Google is now throwing billions because it believes that its dominance of search and the internet is is under serious threat right. by uh, AI in general and other people's uses of it. And um, I have to tell you, of all the, I use all these systems quite a lot. I play around with them. It, it, you know, being a bit of a nerd, I have used these things quite a lot. And the worst of them all is Google's. Actually, I can understand why they're scared. Um, to give you, and that's one of the problems with these things, with these these AI systems, is that they produce brilliant answers. They can give you great essays to questions. It can part these things can pass exams. Uh, when when the first Chat GPT was released last autumn, um, it was able to just about pass exams to get you into medical school or to yes. law school in in the middle of the pack. The latest versions of these things, only a few weeks later, are now coming in the top decile or even the top percentile of answers to these these sorts of exams. This is how fast it's moving and how much better they're getting every single day because of this arms race, this, this amount of money that's being poured into it. An example of which is Microsoft has recently invested $10 billion in ChatGPT. Um, we're, we're, we're talking serious money. We're talking a serious arm, arms race with many business models, not just Google, being having the potential to be thoroughly upended by this. So I think it is going to be revolutionary. I think it is going to be massive. I think the people who say that it's going to be like the invention or the discovery of electricity, perhaps the silicon, you know, big as yeah. the silicon chip itself, the steam engine, all those uh, comparisons. I think they're absolutely right. But what we don't know, I think we can be pretty sure that it is going to be that revolutionary. But I think what we don't know is where the net benefits are going to, where it's going to, the profit and loss ledger is going to lie. How many jobs will be created? How many jobs will be lost? How many businesses will be upended? How many will be created? The, the other economic aspect of this that, that is huge is that in recent years, all of the gains to the technology that came before artificial intelligence, the computer, if you like, those gains, as we know from the increase in inequality in our societies, has accrued to fewer and fewer people. Yes. Where are the, if, if there are gains, and it is an if, I, I think that the likelihood is that there will be very large economic gains to accrue from these systems. Who's going to get them, Eamon? Is it going to be a few tech bros in Silicon Valley, a few major players like Microsoft, or is it going to be shared more equally? These are big, big political, societal, economic policy questions that I don't think many people are even asking, let alone coming close to providing answers. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let me uh, just put two propositions to you, Chris. One is that my understanding of artificial intelligence, as you've explained it, would suggest um, or imply that in medicine, for example, there could be cures found for diseases such as cancer, Alzheimer's, whatever. These um, very, very serious and sad instances that artificial intelligence could be developed. The other uh, not so benign fear or question is the effect it would have on banks and hedge funds. Hedge funds are based on exploiting you know, the share prices of things, shorting them, they can hedge funds, uh, you know, used malevolently, uh, can be deadly and can lead us into all kinds of things as they did in 2008, for example. Um, let's take the, the, the financial side of it first. I mean, banks and their customers, their clients, and the way they communicate most of the time now is by computer. But if you're on a computer, surely you're vulnerable. Will artificial intelligence, as it develops, and it appears to be developing more rapidly than people thought, uh, will it make us all extremely vulnerable in our own home I think with our answer, own computer? I think the answer is yes. And that goes back to some of the things I was talking about with scam artists here. Um, the word vulnerable is one potential consequence of this. It could make us all massively more productive. 
I like to think that I have been made more productive with my use of AI. But you talk about finance, and this is where you, you have to be really careful generally, and I'll use a specific example of this. Um, there, there are armies of people out there who uh, whose job it is to analyze companies and their profit and loss statements and their balance sheets in order to make recommendations to investors as to whether or yes. not to buy or sell their shares. So these systems could do all that work, potentially, and um, in many ways, they already are. Uh, but you have to be careful. So I asked Google's AI system, BARD, as I say, to uh, create a list of stocks, share prices that it thought would do well in the future. And the answer uh, essentially was completely wrong because it, it chose a particular company. And I asked it, why did it choose this company as a tip, the share price tip? And it said because of something called its dividend yield, the amount of cash it returns to investors. And it had totally made it up because this particular company has never paid a dividend in its life. Right. And that's one particular example of one of the, the, the current flaws in these systems is that they make stuff up. Yes. And I, I've got a list of examples of this, as long as you are, where I have used these systems and it has just made stuff up. So at the moment, they are not all seeing all powerful systems and you need to use them with great care. It, they do produce an awful lot of good stuff. They do produce an awful lot of very accurate stuff. But at the moment, we don't have the tools or the techniques to know when it's right and when it's wrong. So we are very much at the foothills of this. But, right. but one of the things I'd say to you is, of course, this is, as, this is as bad as AI is ever going to be. It's just going to get better from here. So uh, you can already you see... It's going way. to become more efficient. Absolutely. And yeah. as I say, companies are using it in anger. Law firms are using it a lot at the moment. Accountancy firms, as I've mentioned, uh, PwC in Ireland, um, the interview with Fergal O'Rourke over the weekend in the Irish Times, they're using it in anger. The list of companies that already, just in the few months since these things started to, to come into being, that are using these things is growing every day. It is moving at light speed, Eamon. It's moving at light speed in terms of its adoption. Within a, a very short few days of the chat bot being first launched last November, worldwide, there were 100 million users, and it's grown since then. That's a faster adoption rate than any other thing that's ever been introduced, including something, including things like the iPhone or Twitter or any of those other things. This, the rate of adoption is unbelievably fast and the amounts of money as i've suggested being thrown at this so these things are yes they are making lots of mistakes yes you have to be very careful with them but as i say we are just at the start of this these things are only going to get better they're only going to get more powerful and they are going to raise a lot of questions about how we organize our lives in our own homes because when you get an email or a text from somebody now are we getting, and particularly if it's coming from a company, is it coming from an individual? Is it coming from a real person? Is it yep. coming from a chatbot? We're used to when we've, you know, God almighty, when we contact our banks or our utilities these days online, um, they, they admit that you are using their, their chatbots. And uh, I wonder whether or not in the future we will actually know whether we are using their chatbots. So there are loads of threats, loads of opportunities, but our lives are going to be upended by these things very, very quickly. And um, it's not all downside. There are new jobs already associated with this thing. The way in which you interrogate the chatbots is that you use something called prompts. That's the way you ask the questions. And I've seen jobs advertised in the tech world now for skill, people looking for skilled prompters, people who know how to use these things. 
and these jobs are paying $300,000 a year up. Okay. Uh, that, me, that's what's happening. Let me ask you a stupid question about an old-fashioned idea about computers, and these are for arguments like supercomputers. They'll only spew out or deliver what you put in. In other words, they won't have any original ideas themselves. They are really at the mercy of how you program them. Is that just nonsense, what I'm saying? No, there are plenty of people out there who think precisely in, in that way, um, that they are just pr computer programs. And as with all computer programs, the old cliche is garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that, that is a firm view of many uh, linguists, of many computer people, that, right. that, that these things will only ever be as good as the programs. And in particular, as you say, their ability to think in the in the ways that we do, which is to join dots in ways that yes. are creative, unique, yeah. never been done before, um, is zero. And there are people who think that, yes, these machines are not capable of doing that, but with a, the proviso, yet, uh, that creativity is something that is inevitable from these systems. And it, that goes back to that very deep discussion that's important to have about the nature of the human mind. Roger Penrose, the Oxford physicist who's very well known in this space, says that the way in which the human mind works is very different to a computer in that um, the human mind, he, the way he puts it, is, is able to compute non-computable questions. Yes. And that no machine will ever be able to replicate that. That's what he firmly believes. Because uh, surely, if I just may interrupt briefly, the one thing we have that they don't have is emotions. And emotions would affect our thinking. Is that stupid? No, it's not. Because it, it, and again, it comes back to that fundamental question. What is the human mind? What is human consciousness? Are, are we just supercomputers, Eamon, or not? I think we're about to find out. Right. But just before we do, Chris, and I can't wait, the politics of this, we now know after a period of kind of complacency that Russia isn't up for being friends if we can trade with them, that China most certainly isn't up for being friends in exchange for trade and, you know, the, the good life that the Germans believed until very recently, uh, the whole of Angela Merkel's policy towards China and indeed uh, much of it towards Russia was based on the fact that to put it crudely, that we'll civilize them by selling stuff to them and buying stuff from them. That's all. That's, That's all. It's, it's all I gone. I was going to use a six-letter uh, curse, but I won't. It's not true, is it? One of, the, one of the ways in which Joe Biden has continued the policies of Donald Trump has been to uh, basically bring uh, American uh, manufacturing capacity back home. Yes. And to, to stop the, the the gift, the theft, depending on which way you want to put it, of intellectual property to China. And one of the things that, of course, that is most noticeable about all of these AI systems is that they're all happening in the United States. So Russia and China will be desperately trying to get their hands on the source right. code for all of this stuff. We'll be trying to develop their own. But so far, it's all American. And Joe Biden is doing his utmost to make sure that all future technology in this area in particular, in uh, computing generally, the, the CHIPS Act, uh, and not just in, t in, in this form of technology, but all forms of uh, alternative energy 
for example, wind and solar, yes, is all course. being brought back to the United States. And this is essentially an anti-China policy with a little bit of anti-Russia in it as well. But of course, caught up in all of this is us. And so the European Union is discovering yet again that it is in terms of the, the, the technological race, we're just being left behind. Um, there are no companies in Europe in any meaningful, serious way joining in this gold rush in Europe. Right. And um, some are trying, but you know, Europe gets is, is at great risk of being left behind of this. And this is this is this is one area that America, for all of its faults, all of the great technological developments of the last half century, arguably longer, have happened in the United States. Yes. And they they've been nicked, borrowed and bought by others. But this is something that's happening in the States. And the politics of this are already getting nasty because Europe is crying foul over Joe Biden's subsidization of many of the firms doing all of this stuff in, in the United States. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. Okay. I'll just ask you one final question. When Facebook, which has now changed its name to Matter, and Twitter, when they spew out this hate, when they're scraped for our, our details of our lives and stuff like that, Whenever it comes, the Europeans, whenever they want to claim, argue, as I would, that these people are publishers in effect and therefore should be subject to laws. And the Americans, seen people like uh, Musk, uh, uh, they say no. Uh, and that awful man who used to, Zuckerberg, who used to or does run Facebook now, they refuse to allow themselves to be regulated. Shouldn't we insist on more regulation for stuff as dangerous as this? Well, as you probably know, just a couple of weeks ago, um, over 100 very prominent people in the tech world in the United States, uh, yes. people like Elon Musk, the guy that co-founded Apple with Steve Jobs, Steve uh, Wozniak is his name, and over 100 others signed an open letter to the U.S. government saying that for all of the reasons that you've suggested and lots of others, the threats from AI yes. are just so great to, to publishing, to all sorts of different areas, um, that it should be put uh, on hold for a while until we get the regulation yes. sorted out. Um, it was politically naive because it's never going to happen in the, in the current America that, that they are going to do yes. this. But you're absolutely right. If we don't get this right from a regulatory rules-based perspective, all of the sorts of things that technology have brought us for good and ill are just going to be put on steroids. So, yes. we, you know, technology promised us, uh, Peter Thiel, the founder of PayPal, famously once said that technology promised us flying cars and all we got was the poison of Twitter. Yes. Um, that could happen again. The technology, the internet and Google in particular absolutely eviscerated the newspaper industry globally. Yes. Yes. And already newspapers in the United States are getting together. There aren't many left now, of course, but the ones that are left, including I think the New York Times, are getting together with each other to, and saying essentially, well, what happened to us when Google came into being and destroyed our business models? This is now going to happen exponentially again as a result of this AI thing, because right. you can see AI starting to produce um, publishable newspaper articles. Yeah, I'm told that you can say to one of these machines, come up with a piece of journalism written by Eamon Dunphy. Oh, yeah. And they did. It was, it was the usual old rubbish, but it was accurate. 
<laughs> yes. No, you, you, you can, uh, for example, I mean, one of the modern ways of getting one's information is the, uh, the New York Times, the Financial Times, the good newspapers produce daily newsletters, which is summary of the yes. overnight news, summarize of what's happened in financial markets, summaries of what's happened in Ukraine. And a lot of them are already using artificial intelligence to produce these new letters, newsletters, and they're yeah. trying to keep it in-house. But there's nothing to stop you creating a newsletter, asking ChatGPT, create a newsletter of what happened overnight in financial markets, and then trying to sell it as, as something that um, you know, you've produced when, in fact, you haven't. So the threats to publishing from just the basic business model all the way through to, you know, where's the next poisonous Twitter going to come from? What is the next version of Twitter going to look yeah. like? Is it going to be a boon to our culture, to our society? Or is it going to be the poison that these social media companies have introduced into our cultures? The, the, the way in which we are all in our echo chambers, in our silos, in which elect electoral interference which was the, which which yes, now looks like right. old tech the way in which <laughs> a bad actors have used these platforms to interfere with the US presidential election to in, to influence the Brexit, Brexit vote yep. that was all done before a, these AI systems came into being uh, is is this just another opportunity to do that writ large and and the, these are very very important questions okay chris as always it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast uh, we're very grateful to chris johns to all of you for listening that's all we have time for now we'll talk to you soon 